Hey, it's Zach. On this week's episode of At The 55, we're going to go through our Players of the Week. We're going to go through a new segment we have in called our Who's Back of the Week. Dakota's going to be bringing you his Do Better segment, which, a little spoiler alert, we sold out. We're now sponsored on that segment. Then we're going to get into all our game breakdowns per usual. Dakota's got all the Blues hype to keep you humming through their bye week. We'll go into our predictions for week four, our picks for week four, and then a little look at the U Sports standings. Uh, and as well on the website, hopefully a couple articles getting up this week. I know Dakota's have a has a few ideas he's working on. I have an article I'm looking at with the Ottawa teams that I want to put out, and uh, our own Brandon Mackey is working on a piece that is uh, sure to be a very good one. But without further ado, week three. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Sarzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. All right, before we jump into our reviews from last week's game, we're going to start off with a new segment as well as a segment we introduced last week. So we're going to start off with our Who's Back of the Week, where we are going to give a shout-out to a player, players, team, whole school positional unit you name it that had a big outing this past week maybe coming off a disappointing outing or maybe there were some storylines whatever it might be they showed out they maybe raised a few eyebrows they garnered some attention and we're going to give them that attention right here right now so to kick off the inaugural who's back of the week dakota who's back i know you're all thinking you're waiting for me to say uft blues but they've been back so don't even worry about that my who's back of the week goes out to none other than the former MVP, Trey Ford, coming off throwing mm. two picks in week one, one fumble in week one. He goes pretty much perfect, throwing 274 for two touchdowns, 132 on the ground for another score. That's my who's back. What do you got? Well, and I'll get into my pick on the Trey Ford aspect, and we'll talk about this plenty when we break down Waterloo and Windsor, but I like to think that we can take some credit for that. For I mean, I don't want to say we called them out, but you know, we kind of somewhat you know hyped up Clay Secure deservingly so for what he's done. And then I remember maybe mentioning something about hey, Trey Ford, if you're listening to this, you know what? Re Trey that Ford's mantle. actually a really close friend of the show, so we know we're gonna take all credit. I'm officially gonna say 100% credit for that. All right, beautiful, not then. 90 100. Okay, uh, well, then my actual pick for the who's back, I'm giving it to my guy, Sam Gerard, quarterback out of Windsor. And not to say that he hasn't been playing well this year. Obviously, they've only got the one win week one versus York. But, and this is kind of on on both of us, I'll say a bit. But where we, you know, we haven't given Windsor the recognition. And they haven't been the most compelling storyline. Obviously, there's everything with the Cercellis. There's Osikusi going there. There's the Savani week one rushing just you know, incredible performance there. But Gerard has just been consistent all year. We saw last year what he was capable of doing. And with the plethora of running, pardon me, plethora of quarterbacks that balled out last year, he kind of just, you know, fell into the mix a little bit. And seemingly a similar story happening this year. But when you really look at it, when you combine the rushing and the passing, this Windsor offense has been very potent. And it's Sam Gerard leading them. This game in specific, 23 for 33, 351 in the air, a long 
touch or pardon me, a long of 70 for and five touchdowns, three picks. And I'm even gonna go easy on one of those picks because it was a late in the game, third and long. Uh, you know what? Throw it up for the guy. It gets picked off. Kind of operates as a punt, anyways. But we can get into all that nitty gritty. But I'm just I'm saying. Sam Girard, if you're listening to this, don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you. Or if I have for a little bit, you are back on the radar, full board. So then our next segment we'll take this to is our Players of the Week. Starting off on the offensive side of the board, Dakota. I feel like I don't need to say anything. I pretty much covered it already. Uh, The who's back is my Offensive Player of the Week, Trey Ford. You get two trophies for this one. Look for it in the mail, man. Big week for you. Congrats. No doubt, uh, you know, hard to really compete with what Trey Ford did this week. Uh, but if you could make an argument for anyone, it might go to his running back, Dion Pellerin, who put up 200 yards on 18 carries for one rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown. And the touchdown came late in the game in a shootout. So obviously, every point counts. I mean, every point always counts. And on a tip ball, and I'm not going to necessarily speak to the difficulties of readjusting to a tip ball already for a running back who, you know, I'm not going to say he's got bad hands, but he's a running back. He's not a receiver. Not an easy play to make. So, the you know, we're giving the Offensive Players of the Week to the quarterback and running back for Waterloo. Defensive side of the ball, I'll start off for us, giving it to linebacker Justin Lauzon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name right. For the Guelph Griffins, got himself a pick six. Kind of hard to compete when you get a pick six, especially the final score in that game, and we'll get into it in a minute, wasn't necessarily indicative of the sort of back-and-forth nature of that game. A very grinded-out game for, I'd say, about three and a half quarters. So without that pick six, that might have been a very different final score. Dakota, who do you got? I got no argument with that. You know, pick sixes are huge. They're such a momentum shifter, similar to special teams touchdowns, which, you know, we'll get into in a second. But that's that's I'm going I'm to I'm side with you on that one. Um, but also segueing, keeping it, keeping it home with Guelph. Um, no disrespect for, to, to the Waterloo kicker kicking that game-winning field goal, which was you know very exciting, such a shootout game. Big ups. But come on, three names here: Clark, Barney, Barnes. All right. <laughs> game one, touchdown, house call. Game two, phones ringing again. Who is it? Oh, it's the house calling again. <laughs> game three, yeah, the house is now on speed dial. All right. <laughs> Th- that's it. Special teams player of the week, Clark Barnes. No one, no one even competes with this kid right now. I you know it's it's 100% Clark Barnes no one even comes close and we'll get into that game uh, momentarily I was at that game uh but I think a special shout out an honorable mention if you will needs to go out to Zach Keeley of the Queens Gales he ended up with two picks on the game but also a block punt and recovering that punt so if it weren't for the pick 6 by Lausen and the kickoff return touchdown he arguably could have taken home either defensive player of the week or special teams player of the week in my books but he ain't gonna get it this week but still deserves a big shout out but yeah barney 100 deserving of special teams player of the week i think in our books that's three straight weeks he's taken at home no disrespect to tyrell ford or oh, i think he definitely got it last week from the oua um but yeah 100 clark barnes uh, and with that being said, let's jump into our first game review, our pick for game of the week, Western and Mac. Final score in this game, the Western Mustangs, 34, McMaster Marauders, 17. This game was in Hamilton. Dakota, you were there live and direct. Let you start us off. What was your take on the game? 
I'm very happy. Obviously, Western won. Uh, you know, sorry to all all the Mac guys that that I've been talking through the last couple of weeks, but there's just there's something about Chris Merchant, and I I don't know what it is. It's never crazy throws or crazy runs, but he just has this way to win games. Okay, so 212 in the air, that's not scratching top five for this week for a quarterback. But also 104 on the ground mm. for two touchdowns. And then they do, I, I hate to say this, but like the Western special where, you know, give it to the running back, end around to Brett Ellerman, throw it to a wide open quarterback in the end zone. He has three touchdowns on the game as a quarterback, and none of them are through the air. He just has this way to win. And then also, let's talk about the fact that Trey Humes is looking like Trey Humes. Yeah. I know a lot of you guys maybe out there be saying, okay, you know, we never really expected much from him. I saw him the last couple of years. He's a solid back, and this week he proved it with 129 on the ground, which, as we were saying before, Max defensive, like their, their front core is crazy on defense. Yeah. And the fact that you can have two guys rushing for 100-plus yards, that's amazing for me, you know? that I think Western really put on an offensive show against a very solid Mac defense. That's definitely big time being able to put up those numbers for Trey Humes and Chris Merchant and – I, you know, I was the the lone wolf in picking Mac in the upset for this game, and that was pretty much predicated on the fact that I I was anticipating Mac giving this Western offensive line, and just as a result, this Western offense fits dealing with the pressure that they've shown they can hand out to multiple teams in the OUA, and they definitely were doing their thing that Mac does, just Western showing that. You know, despite the young offensive line losing those two star backs, they're still Western. It's still going to be a little bit of that. Takes a little bit of time to, I don't know, get some of the rust off and just get that monster rolling for them. But with Humes, he looks spectacular. And my big thing, though, with Merchant, and maybe I'm just going to keep saying this until the day he finally retires, and, you know, all joking aside, hopefully of his own volition because he puts up these amazing numbers on the ground. But he does so as if he were like a 250-pound fullback. Like he had, he seems to give just no regard for his, for his own safety. And there's obviously the part of me that wants to just tip the cap and give him props. And 100% I do. The guy's a warrior. As you mentioned, he's a proven winner. He's never, you said he's, last week he's never lost in the OUA, right? Like, ridiculous you know one of the one of the greats like this guy we are watching an OUA goat right now do his thing but it just ugh, I don't know man he's he just reminds me of just a Josh Allen you know he has and you know some of you guys might not like Josh Allen in the NFL but he just has this ability to throw the ball deep throw the ball with accuracy like a hard a hard rock but also just, okay, it's my time. I'm going to put the team on my back. We're just going to go out there and win. I'm not saying that this was a close game. The game was definitely closer than the score showed. Yeah. But he just has this ability. Okay, no one's open. That they're having, Mac has great coverage. Cool, I'm going to pop off a quick 20-yard run. Yeah. I'm going to get a first down. I'm gonna get, there was one drive where, they, where he ended up scoring on like a two-yard carry, but he just kept running. He just kept running for first downs, and he just he wasn't running out of bounds. He was taking hits. He was trying to truck people. Like, he's in it to win it. Yeah, I, th- I think if, if I'm picking up on, on the touchdown you're referring to, I think that was their first touchdown in the second half to break, or was it, or my, maybe it was the last touchdown going into the half, and yeah, he was he was doing it in the air. He was doing it with his feet. Just such a such a dual threat, you know, to the, you know, to a T. But switching over to the max side of the ball, we got 
the reappearance of a running back that we've been talking about a lot this year in Jordan Lyons for the McMaster Marauders. Bit of a quiet day. Only seven carries, 29 yards. Average of 4.1 if you want to just get the quick math on that. But not quite what we're expecting. Maybe it's going to take a little time for him to get his game legs back under him. But I think that was a, a big disappointment for a lot of people. I think we saw the weapons this Mac offense has. And you totally have to give it up for Duick. Another good game. 29-40, 3.45, two TDs and no picks. But I think the running game, and especially we already mentioned young offensive line, the other positional group for this Western team that is going to raise some flags is that young linebacking crew. Clearly showing by this performance that you know they're up to they're up to the task of, of taking down a, a solid running attack. So, what was your take on Max run game in this game? Um, you know, I got a chance to talk uh, to Justice Allen, and we can get into that in a second about just what what Lions really brings to the Mac offense for the run game. He spoke about how you know it is a power. He is a power back. You know, he's not afraid to to get in out of that A and B gap. Um, but he also really mentioned that. Um, you know, it's it's more than just one player, and they, you know, it, it really seemed that Mac kind of schemed around the power game, but then realized they're going to have to put in the air. And you were saying how how well Duick played. I got to give so much credit to him. He was looking amazing. You know, it doesn't just show with two TDs and the three forty five. Like he was throwing absolute dimes out there. Uh, Mr. Allen, as you prefer to be called, uh, we saw the return of your veteran running back, Jordan Lyons. How did that really come into effect, your offensive scheme? I saw you run out there in the slot a little bit. Is there a lot of changes when the vet comes back? Uh, there's not a lot of changes this year. There's no individuals. We're just playing as a, as a team and a whole unit. But having Jordan Lyons back is definitely a plus to our offense because he's a power back uh, that can get us that two to five yards after contact, and that's what we need. So that was Justice Allen running back for the McMaster Marauders, and you were just speaking about the efficiency of Duick that kind of goes beyond the raw numbers. And I think what really stands out is when you look at the production of his receivers on this day. Let's let's just go through it one by one. Tyson Middlemost leading the way, four receptions, 73 yards. Close behind you had Noah Griffith, five receptions, 69 yards. Then you had Michael Bazo, four receptions for 36. Then you have, I'm just going through the yards, you had 34 yards, three receptions, 34 yards, three receptions really spreading the ball out and this is kind of the story of what we talked about he has all these weapons they have a guy like Potasic, obviously you know as good as it gets at the offensive side so I'm not necessarily concerned about this Mac team really on either sides of the ball definitely would like to see them pull off the win but you know what that's neither here nor there at this point you know I, I like you said and I think this is kind of the story in a few games that happened this week final score is not really as indicative of how close this game really was and a couple breaks break differently here or there much different game yeah i think and you know i'm the the captain of the bandwagon for uft but i honestly think if anyone's going to take western's crown away it's going to be mac and i would love to see a mac western yates cup so i really hope they see each other at least in the semis at some point definitely and for the week ahead of us mcmaster's coming to toronto to take on york Western returning home to play Carlton. And with that being said, let's jump into our next game, York at Guelph. Final score in this game, the Guelph Griffins 53, the York Lions 19. The game was in Guelph. I was there, beautiful day in the Royal City for some football. And much like we mentioned with Western and Mac and kind of alluded to with some of the other games, final score not necessarily indicative of how the game really went. 
Dakota, I got a lot of thoughts on this game, but I want to hand it off to you just to get your first impression. Uh, first impression is just not impressed. And, you know, I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to just get right into it. York's run game is my Dakota's do better. This week's do better is brought to you in part by the Women of Winter. Winter is coming, and the Women of Winter have all things hockey all the time. Check us out at www.thewomenofwinter.com or follow us at the Women of Winter. I'm sorry, and and I'll I'll, I'll take I'll take my fault here. You know, you ha- I have my bias against York, and I wasn't gonna come after them. But just kind of looking at this, I don't know if it's if it's the boys in the backfield, if it's the OC scheming it up, if it's the linemen, but you cannot have 16 rushing attempts and go for 18 yards. Just yeah. just looking at this, one, two, three, four, five, six different people rush the ball. Six? And you're averaging 1.1 yards per carry? This is ridiculous. You're never going to win a game. I already called that, but now I'm even more serious. This was your one possible win hey. for all the people that read the blogs. Hey. I'm sorry, but it was. You are you are not going to win the game solely throwing the ball. It's just not going to happen. Wait, so hold, hold on. So if York won this game, that's not an upset in your books? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, the, 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 the jury's out on Guelph right now. I'm a little more decided, but this I had this as this is York's chance to win a game. And they just can't do it by getting 18 rushing yards on 16 attempts. It's ridiculous. York, run game. Do better. That's Dakota's do better and rightfully deserved York. You got to do better. And I definitely want to get into Guelph's defense and why I think they made it so tough for York to run the ball. But really, and you kind of mentioned whether it's schematic, a a result of the OC, the play calling, whatever whatever you want to call it. But we saw this last year with them too, and perhaps even to a greater degree when they still had Colton Hunchak there as well, where when they pulled off that 3-5 and five record, those wins that they got and even those games that they lost, their whole philosophy was seemingly, we're going to live by the pass and we're going to die by the pass. And you, that doesn't necessarily write off the rushing. And despite Canadian football, there being a bigger emphasis on the passing game, I will forever, especially when how we know the weather turns when we get into late October, November, late November, that you have to have a good running game, guys. You gotta hold on to that rock. But we we can't. And obviously, you were addressing the run game, but I don't want that to get mixed up with thinking that their offense doesn't have positive things because in the passing game, Brett, Brett Hunchak, we already talked about some of the other big name quarterbacks in this league already but Brett Hunchak has shown consistently over the last few years that he is big time and his number one target on the day I mean it shows out in the box score and to be honest it could have been even worse if not for some bad drops but Luther Hakuna Van who all over the field eight receptions for 166 yards two touchdowns and really as we kind of mentioned already parts of this game where you look at that final score of 53-19 if you don't know any better, and well, if you don't know any, anything better other than the score and the fact that for most people, Guelph should be pretty heavily favored at home in this game, Dakota. But if you don't know anything other than that, you look at the production Luther put up, and it was in that third quarter where they brought this game within a touchdown, and they had all the momentum. So they almost on the on the back of that passing game were able to steal this game and I say it's a steal because it 
ah, anyhow, but that brings me to the Guelph side of things. And I want to start with the defensive side for Guelph because I feel like it's always easier to talk offense. You know, it just naturally so two offensive guys here. And I think this is somewhat explains what happened with York a bit as well, where I'm willing to say that Guelph's front seven might just be... Oh, don't do it to him. Might just be the best in the OUA. He's just trying to steal my hot takes. He's trying to get the spotlight. (laughs) I need to give these boys some long overdue shine on my part. And honestly, if, if the performance alone didn't do it for you, and they didn't always... I don't think well they only had like three sacks on the game. But Hunchak took a beating. And there was times, and I think Noah Craney did come in for a stretch, because we saw Hunchak limping after that, or during that Laurier game, Craney came in for a bit in there. He was getting beat up. It only shows three sacks on the scoreboard, but he was taking hits from this defense. And the big name that I want to give all the credit to on that defensive front specific. Well, not all the credit, but the most credit is Tavius Robinson. And I saw this dude after the game. This guy, and, and all the coaches say the same thing. He's got the body, the look of a guy that should be in an SEC locker room. This guy should be chasing down Trevor freaking Lawrence week after week. He is an absolute monster. His arms are... I, I, I remember coaching this guy uh, or back when he played Junior Griffins when he was probably... 15 years old, this this lanky, long dude, he's now filled out. He's absolutely terrorizing offensive lines. Then on top of that, they got Elaine Simonkinda, who everyone saw ball last year, and they're using him on the interior. So you got a guy who has all the, all the finesse and all the speed of guy on the outside, combined with the strength to hold his own on the inside, completely nasty. On top of the fact they didn't even have their main nose tackle, Greg Corfield, one of the best D tackles in the league, don't really know what his status is. And then, of course, at the linebacking core, senior linebacker Joe Reinhardt, one of the most assured tacklers in the league, probably second to only Jack Kasser, holding it down. If anything gets through there, that's a sure tackle. So in terms of the run game, it definitely makes sense why they shut down York on top of the fact, as we said, York's run game kind of goes both ways. It's a good run-stopping defense coupled with a bad run offense makes for that, what was it? 16 yards on 18 carries. 18 yards on 16 carries. My apologies. Yeah, the one, the My one, apologies. The 1.1 yard. I'd hate, to short, I'd hate to shortchange you on, on your run. It's game almost right. two first downs, boys. But obviously, if we're talking Guelph's, Guelph's defense, it goes both ways. I can give us all the credit in the world to Hunchak, to uh, Luther Hakuna uh, Vanhu, but that secondary was looking a little suspect too, so they definitely need to clean that up. But now taking it over to the offensive side of the ball for Guelph. Three quarters of this game, it did not look pretty. And let's be honest here, you were a little nervous. You drove all the way to Guelph and you almost saw York win. Yes. I that yes. Don't deny I got text approved. <laughs> no, that's very true. So hold on, before we even get into the offense, let's talk about just the scoring in general, because we've already touched on this point when we were going over our special teams players of the week. But Barney strikes again. Barney, there's no longer these are no longer the Guelph Griffins. These are the Guelph Barney and friends. Is what this team. <laughs> <laughs> and as our graphic design guru, I'm expecting some type of a image to reflect that in the upcoming weeks. Barney and friends, I got it for you. <laughs> um, 
York won the toss, and they chose to receive, and, you know, that's just a fair decision to make, regardless of who you're playing or what might go into that. You want well, the ball, they you think, take the They ball. think it's going to break the curse. Like, oh, Barney's not going to get it, you know, but, on the first kick of the game. Yeah. So it turns out that, I guess, his whole shtick isn't, I score touchdowns on the first kickoff of the game. It's more specifically, I score touchdowns the first kickoff I receive of the game. You know, I see, I touch, I score. That's how I, it works. And honestly... The, the feeling in that stadium, and it was it was a beautiful day in Guelph, as I already mentioned. It was a packed house. It was the orientation week game. A lot of students out there, and they always have a good turnout. The feeling in there was, was pretty surreal. Like, when he started to break away, it... I, I don't really... I, I honestly don't know if I have a sports moment live that kind of compares to it. Like, I remember... Being at the the Blue Jays wild card game a couple years back when Edwin Encarnacion hit the home run to send them to the divisional series, like that was pretty dope. That had that "what did I just witness" moment. But aside from that, I think this is the only "what did I just witness" moment I've seen live in a sporting event at any level. And then to boot later on in the game, he took another. I think it, yeah, he's not. They don't have him returning punts for who knows what reason. But he had another kickoff that. He broke past the first line, looked like he was in the clear. I forget who he got taken down by. But it's unbelievable. And I don't, you know, as someone who's coached specials, you can speak to this much better than I can. But I'm sitting there with my dad. I'm th- we're thinking, why like, why are you still kicking to him? <laughs> why? You don't. You don't really. You don't really have a choice. I'm. You know. It's. It's a little tougher. It's easier. You know. I, I've. I've coached uh, American high school before. It's a little easier there because a shorter field. You can kick it out of the end zone. But this is a big field. You know. They. They make it. They kick from where they kick. Some. They. They want to see returns. That's why there's five yards on punts. They want to see returns. And I don't care if you're putting in the far corner. If they want Barnes to get it, he's gonna go over to that side and get yeah. it. So all the only really option they have is kick it out of bounds, which is a huge penalty. Or kick it short, and then okay, cool. We'll 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 take it there. We'll take it out of the fifty. But what I love about this, and and I said this in week one, is you know, way for him to start getting adjusted to the offense. First of all, I'm gonna call it here. He's gonna be all rookie team, whatever you want to call it. This this might be rookie of the year right here. I don't see why he's not. Oh, for sure. And and by the way, speaking of like rookies who've balled out. Hey, Josh Cumber, what's with the no pick this week, man? Yeah, well, I, I show up and you're saying, no, I'm not going to get an interception. It's hey, cool, Josh whatever. Cumber, Josh Cumber, guess what? Do better. <laughs> Josh Cumber, do better. This one's not <laughs> sponsored, though. This is just from us. But I was telling you before, Clark Barnes isn't just, you know, a Devin Hester with speed. He gets his first touchdown not on special today. You know, he gets, what, one reception, but it's 30 yards and it's a score. That's pretty big. You know, he now has four touchdowns in three weeks. It's not, not too bad for a rookie. No, not too bad at all. And the the one thing and the one thing that obviously is concerning to a lot of people, it didn't look like the worst injury in the world, but I think it was around mid-third quarter. They put ice on the foot. He was limping around a little bit. Took him out of the game, obviously, when, you know, guys getting ice, they're normally not putting him back in. But just seeing the way he was moving around, it didn't look, by no means was it a devastating injury. But it was still in a part of the game where the outcome was very much in the balance. You know, if that had happened midway through the fourth, 
where Guelph clearly started to pull away, whatever. They were putting their backups in already anyhow. But the fact that it was still in the balance definitely gives me some pause to think, is it a little worse than I thought it was? So obviously hoping for whatever that was to be just a blip on the radar because, um, you know, obviously unless you're playing against him, it doesn't matter what school you go to. How can you not enjoy seeing this happen? This is this has got to be historic by now, if, if if not already. I mean, I don't know the numbers on that for consecutive touchdowns on kickoffs in the OUA, but he's got to be up there. But as you mentioned, though, he had the first receiving touchdown for them for Guelph on offense, but most of the day was just very poor offensively. What? Similar to what we'd seen against Carlton, similar to what we'd seen against Mac, and it really wasn't until the fourth quarter that they came alive. Three straight consecutive drives, Theo Landers connecting with uh, different receivers, um, hitting uh, Key and Schaefer Baker, Abdel Rahim, AJ Chase, uh, and uh, it's tough because it's not stuff we haven't seen from this offense before, with a few different names sprinkled here and there, but with Theo at the helm. We've seen he's got all the talent, and I was definitely happy to see him take on a little bit more of the running load. Ten attempts for 76 carries on the day. He's definitely a threat there, too, and I think he's at his best when he is moving it with his feet as well. But it's 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 tough because sometimes it feels like week to week, are you getting the good, the bad, or the ugly with this Guelph offense? And there was part of me that wanted to maybe throw the Guelph offense in for the who's back. But it's it's going to take a good deal longer before I'm settled with that. I don't know if they're back. They might be filling up the tank right now, but I don't think they've driven back yet. <laughs> well, I think next week isn't going to necessarily be the biggest indication of whether they're back or not because they're going to face Waterloo, and I am pretty confident that it'll be a similar repeat from what we just saw Waterloo do this past week with Windsor in a very no-defense Shoot them out type of game. Oh, I thought they were the best. I thought they were the best front seven. Uh, w- well, which one is it? Oh, come on now. Which one is it? I'm just saying. You said it was the best front seven, which is it's not. I, you didn't even let me get to pipe in. They they are good. Yes. Are they Western? No. Are they Mac? No. No disrespect to Guelph, but saying they're the best front seven in OUA. We'll see. We'll see what Trey Ford puts up on them. We'll talk next week. I think we've seen plenty of really good defenses get humbled by the Trey Ford machine that is the Waterloo Warriors, so I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive. I don't know. U of T picked them up twice. <laughs> oh, we're saying U of T's got a good front seven now? I'm saying I, that, hey, that's our standard. Shout out to Malcolm Campbell, though, real quick, if we're talking U of T defense. But uh, anyhow, uh, I, I don't know. That's pretty much my wrap on this game. Any, any last thoughts from what you've seen or what you've sort of followed up with this game? Um, no, like I, as, as much as I want to make fun of people for everything, cause that's who I am. I, I do have to give a lot of credit to, to Guelph's team that, you know, they did have seven tackles for a loss. That's, that's pretty huge. And even if it is against York, I want to say no disrespect to York, but I think we're well past that right now. <laughs> um, you know, the Guelph Waterloo game should be good. I'll maybe say it again later down the road in this episode, but at this point, I'm just going to call it Clark returns another one. It's, it's, it's at that point, whether he's. On one foot or not next week, he's returning another one. I'll uh, I'll ante up with that as well. So as we mentioned, Guelph's traveling to Waterloo to take on the Warriors. York returning home, but they get the Marauders, which I'm sure is going to be a pissed-off MAC team. I will be at that game. 
Oh boy. And uh, possibly even a little sideline action if, if things fall into place for us here. But we won't, uh, what's the expression, count our chickens before they hatch on that regard. So we'll just kind of leave that somewhat ambiguously up in the air. But with that being said, we'll call that a wrap for York and Guelph and move on to our next game. Why don't we make it Waterloo at Windsor? Final score in this game, the Waterloo Warriors 45, the Windsor Lancers 42. This game was in Windsor. It was a shootout, much like these two teams' game from last year. Ended on a game-winning field goal for the Waterloo Warriors. And just to go into the parallel between this game and last year's game, I just want to go over the stats of the two quarterbacks. So we already talked a little bit about both these players. You had Trey Ford going 25-31 for 274 yards and two touchdowns. On the other side, you had Sam Gerrard, 23 for 33, 351 in the air, five TDs, and three interceptions. So now let's rewind the clock to just over a year ago. You had Trey Ford going 25 for 28 for 463 and six touchdowns. And Sam Gerrard, 26 for 43 for 478 yards and five TDs. That was a slightly more lopsided Waterloo win. If I recall correctly, uh, if I were slightly more intelligent, I probably would have jotted down the score as well as just those stats. But clearly a testament for whatever reason, when these two quarterbacks go at it, the stars align. We just get an absolute onslaught of offensive football, specifically in the passing game. Dakota, I'll hand it off to you. Well, we already talked about, you know, how both of our offensive players of the week are Waterloo right now. You know, it's it's mind-boggling the numbers that you know Trey Four can put up sometimes, but you know Pellerin two hundred on the ground, two hundred, which I would like to note, and I'm sorry to talk shit, are on eighteen attempts, similar to York's sixteen attempts, but for how many yards? Did they didn't they, did they, yeah they didn't get two hundred yards it, yeah no so, they you know it, so but you know Pellerin did average one point one yards per carry if you also add. 10 yards to each of those carries. So it's pretty much the same as York's. That seems fair. That seems fair. I'm not a math magician, but that works out in my mind. But then, you know, Gordon Lamb also 114 in the air. Mm -hmm. Tronowski 74 in the air and a touchdown. Like, these these are crazy crazy numbers I like to see. I love explosive offenses. I love shootout games. You know, it's always fun. I I find it's more fun in person to watch a great defense, but it's more fun on TV to watch yeah. it, to watch a good offense. And and my last little note about the offense for Waterloo is Trey Ford is throwing it to what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different receivers. Much like how we already addressed with Duick, spreads the ball out, really knows how to use every guy in his arsenal. Yeah, you. That's the best way to win games. Is you know they cover one of your guys, throw it to the other. They cover both your guys, throw it to the eight different guys. That's more than they have eligible receivers on the field. And as we're talking about the people impacting the game in the passing attack, I believe we already mentioned this in discussing offensive players of the week. But Dion Pellerin also adding in a receiving touchdown, which came late in the game, mid to late fourth quarter. And as I believe we already mentioned tip ball that he was able to corral in giving them the lead late as both of us already talked about being at games live this week we didn't catch this one live and if you tried to on OUA TV well you didn't catch much of it either as across the board there was technical difficulties and so when trying to watch this one after the fact 
the stream doesn't kick in until the fourth quarter. Uh, and on top of that, the audio was, uh, well, worse than my little fiasco with our last week's episode. But that's sort of beside the point. But you could just tell from that glimpse, these are just two teams, just haymaker. All right, haymaker, last man standing. In this case, it happened to be Waterloo. But now looking over at the Windsor side of things, we've obviously seen how effective uh, Savani can be. This week, former MTW man Marvin Gaynor, who we saw put up some good numbers from last year, leading the way, 91 on 11 carries. And it, I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that what we saw from Savani week one isn't going to be the standard, but I think we've seen enough to show that, or at least to have a feel that in conjunction with Gaynor as, uh, what's the term, as not not split back, but as, you know, dividing the, the carries between the shared two Shared load, yeah. Yeah, shared load, that that's going to be a formidable backfield. And I almost, you know, especially with the addition of Osi Kusi picking up two touchdowns in this game, big ups How many yards? Him. How many yards for the, for the boy? Uh... Six receptions for 137. That's what I love to see. As a former receiver, I love to see that. And nasty. And I, I'm almost willing to say that this Windsor team's kind of like, it's kind of like Waterloo Diet? Almost. <laughs> like, you know, they you're gonna get You're going to get some enemies for that, but I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> am I, am I going to get the enemies from the Waterloo <laughs> side or the Windsor side? I don't know. Probably both. both. <laughs> but no, they, they, they are pretty nice. They have a lot of weapons. I think the offense... The offensive line was a big question mark with the loss of Drew Desjardins, but you know, obviously he's in the CFL right now. But for what it's worth, their running game seems to be better than it was last year, even with them playing the guard position for them. So whether it's just Savani now having a bigger impact on the team, the new offense now under the Circellis, Gerard being a year more older, a year more you know, advanced in his knowledge of the game, picking up Osikusi, and obviously. You know, if you know anything about football, you understand the interplay of a good passing game is going to help your run game the same way a good run game is going to help your passing game. And just for all those reasons, that you know, much like with you know, much like with probably, I guess you could say Queens and yeah, I'd say between them and Queens, teams where they're probably not going to rack up a ton of wins this year, but they're showing they're showing a lot of positive things so far. And we've you know we've talked about for both those teams, and we'll get into it with Queens in a little bit. Just positive signs looking down down the road uh, for just positive building blocks for good programs. Yeah, the one thing I'm going to say it's unfortunate that you know Chris Osikusi won't be with Windsor for long uh, to really build that chemistry. But yeah, Sam Gerard's looking good. I'm not absolutely loving the three interceptions. But the fact that you can put up five touchdowns, you know, if, if I put him on my fantasy roster, he'd still probably give me, you know, 28 points. So I'm okay with that. Um, but, yeah, similar similar to Queens, what you're saying, Windsor, <laughs> Windsor will likely be a team in the next couple of years um, to watch out for. They're, it's similar to how we're saying, you know, the scores aren't always exactly as they as they seem, and I don't think that Windsor's, Windsor's record of 1-2 and two is exactly deserved, but, mm. you know, hard-fought loss against Waterloo is how they're going to go out. You know, they'll probably come back next week to fight even harder. And with Waterloo, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like a hater. I guess I already sound like a bit of a hater with, with the Waterloo diet comment. But this, you know, this just isn't, to me, this isn't sustainable football. Just trying to, trying to outscore every single opponent. 
week after week. I mean, we saw it catch up with them last year. Obviously, we even saw with with the Kansas City Chiefs, albeit on the back of a, a pretty bunk penalty. But obviously, that's a whole different situation. But I'm just always, I always hesitate to to crown a team like this when they just completely rest on their offense, albeit an incredibly explosive offense. But when you add in the struggles that defense had last year, you you know you talk about Jack Hinsberger losing him, the rookie of the year from last year, holding down that linebacker core. You know guys like uh, Deshaun Jupiter Dean, you know, getting one of those three picks that you already mentioned in this game. A really good guy in the back end, Tyrell Ford. Some other guys definitely have good good guys on that defense. But I don't know. I just I'm just not sold on this Waterloo team. 100% as a full product. Which which I which I think is fair, you know, they as a team they only have 28 solo tackles, which I guess really equates to how they let in so many points, but they're not they're not going to consistently win games by relying on Trey Ford and his magic and you know Pellerin and all those guys. They got to really get their defense going if they want to come out and actually compete in the OUA. We've been saying it since week 1, the OUA is the toughest place to play. You got very competitive teams that are, you know, not going to make mistakes. I don't think McMaster is going to make another mistake this year. So if you want to make the playoffs in your Waterloo, you got to show that you deserve to play here. Most definitely. And I don't think, having said all that, that their offense is going to slow down going into next week. Not a chance. Because as I already prefaced with the setup from the Guelph review, I think this is going to be another shootout. Despite how good I think that front seven may be for Guelph. Number one in the country. Number one. I didn't say that. Anyways, I still have my questions about that secondary. I still obviously know how deadly this passing attack is for Waterloo. And, you know, to be frank, Waterloo, they're going to be coming out, you know, looking for blood. This is a Guelph team that took them down last game of the regular season that heavily affected how the seeding played out for the playoffs. On top of the fact that they then went on to beat them the following week in the first round of playoffs. This game's going to be in Waterloo. That's that's going to be tough going for the Griffins. But I think things are pointing positive on the back of an emotionally charged game like this in Windsor. You get the win at the buzzer. I think uh, they're looking good going into next week, I'd say. Any thoughts on that? I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more later. So we'll just move on on that one. For Windsor... They're making one of the longest travels of the season when they go out east to take on Queens. Uh, both of those 1 o'clock games because this is the OUA and everything's at 1 o'clock except for one game. But <laughs> I digress. Any last thoughts on, on Waterloo-Windsor before we move on? No, I think you covered everything. Beautiful. All right, so with that being said, let's move on to Queens at Ottawa. Final score in this game, the Ottawa GGs 44, the Queens Gales 27. The game was in Ottawa. And once again, another game that wasn't necessarily as, no, not to say lopsided, but as one-sided as this score would indicate. This was a very tight battle throughout. And, you know, not too, too much standing out. For one, no Sawyer Bittner. I mean, he is listed as having played in this game going 0 for 1. I don't remember seeing him on their projected depth charts going into the Week 3 weekend. I don't remember seeing him at all during the game when I was watching, but then having said that, much like with the Windsor game and some of the other games on OUA TV or on the on-demand function, it didn't start right at the first snap. But 
you know what, and and by no means do to anyone listening, do not get this misconstrued for me hoping that the injury that we saw him sustain against Mac was bad. But even if they just took him off precautionarily and, and he passed every test, after the, the number of hits he took in that game and the way we saw him go down, even if he was 100% cleared, I... I, I'm I'm very happy just that he wasn't 100%. playing. Like you just after watching that game, he took far too many hits. I he's probably you know again we hope for the best, but I hope he sat in a dark room for seven days. Yeah, that I mean, and that, that was rough. I mean, that, that was that's the kind of performance a, a defense has to put up for someone. Uh, not going to name names to think that uh, you might be able to beat Western, but the backup Ben Miracle, we saw him come into the game against Mac last week and you know finished out with a, a fairly uh, decent outing 21 for 31 290 in the air three TDs three picks to go alongside it uh, also saw him moving the ball with his feet a little bit too but you know looking effective and I, there, I, I'm going to be working on an article for the blog uh, post section on the website about the two Ottawa teams just with some of the similarities about these two squads uh, that I've been noticing this year and of course, with all that sort of leading up to the panda, but the big thing that we're still obviously losing Bittner is huge because we have they have all these weapons on the receiving end of things. Carter Matheson, he had a huge game, going six for one sixteen and a touchdown. Kalen Beaver, five for one thirteen and a touchdown. He was getting a few jet sweeps in the run game. Obviously, he's going to be a threat returning the ball. Uh, a guy that we expect some performance from, Dylan St. Pierre. A bit of a quiet game from him. But you have the horses, but the biggest you know, missing factor is obviously Dawson O'Day. And I keep talking about this, and I even reached out to former GG receiver as well as GG rec- former GG receiving coach, um, uh, my friend uh, Tyler McLaren, another former uh, Metro Toronto guy. And he doesn't know the situation with O'Day. Is no one, they're just... It's a bit of a, a bit of a question mark there, but I think in this game we saw positive things in the running game really for the first time. I mean, only their second game, but the likes of Jordan Berger and Donald Shaw really uh, taking the load for the rushing game, much like how we've kind of seen with Savani and Gainer for Windsor, and the two of them combined a good outing. You had uh, Berger finishing seven for forty-seven. You had Shaw seven for forty-three. So combined, combined a pretty good off, uh, a pretty good outing from that rushing game. And Berger, big back. You can see a few times he's carrying a few guys to the ground um, in the process of his rushes. So I, I don't think this is whatever might come of Bittner's season. Obviously, first and foremost, hoping the best from him. From just a, a medical standpoint, his own health. But even if that, even if he can't come back, it, it, there's still there's still life in in this Ottawa GG team. Yeah, you know, last week's podcast, I I said that they were gonna win. Unfortunately, um, I listened to a few little birdies with some insider information, and I decided to change my pick. I look pretty foolish. I could have had a perfect week. But no, they're they're still a solid offense. I think if they want to stand a chance, they got to get their entire medical staff on Bittner. Um, nothing against Ben here, but three touchdowns, three interceptions. Just for me as a as a player and a coach, I'm seeing that as zero. Yeah, it's, it's zero for me. You know, um, three touchdowns is great. Two ninety is you know very middle of the pack. 
three picks is too many. One, two, maybe, but three is it's game changing. You're giving the ball away, and you're, they're lucky to kind of get come out with the win. You were saying the game was closer than the score showed. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But you know, one one of those picks goes to the house. It's a completely different game for sure. I mean, for what it's worth, and. By the way, it's worth absolutely nothing. But <laughs> if just solely Zach Keeley decided to sit this game out, well, then more than likely Mar- Miracle ends up with just the one pick on the game because as we already uh, touched on in talking about our players of the week, uh, Zach Keeley with the two interceptions to go with his block punt and recovering of that punt. But talking about Queens, I'll start with, we'll, we'll talk about their offense Start off with James Keenan at quarterback, and this is a young guy that I've really enjoyed seeing. He's shown a lot of arm talent, couple balls where maybe he didn't complete them, but showing the ability to throw, you know, different passes like you know out a deep out to the field, being able to lob it down for some of his guys. And the big thing for me, and it's 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 like the first thing you see with him is just his escapability in the pocket, and he actually ended up with a rushing touchdown. Where and as much as I get on Merchant about protecting himself, this was like one of the uh, kind of like the Steve Young helicopter hit into the end zone where he just dove and the the DB just absolutely clocked him. I think his helmet even might have popped off. But you know, showing a lot of uh, showing a, a lot of positive things for them. But they ended up going with uh, Ryan Lacandro. I don't know if it was a halftime switch or late in the second quarter. I'm, I'm forgetting. And they just rode him out. And he finished out 11 for 20 for 151 and a touchdown. So in terms of the passing production, uh, showing a lot more than than Keenan on the game. And obviously for Snyder and, and, and the offensive minds at Queens, you know, they have some incredible bright minds there. Uh, they got... You know, Eddie's boy Flax there running the offense. They got my boy Nesbitt doing the offensive line. Snyder, no doubt. So I trust that they're making the right decisions. For me, I, I you know, and, and hopefully this isn't a Keenan injury that, that kept him out, but we've seen them rotate Lacandro and Keenan in a couple of their other games. And we, we talked about this impact for McMaster with Andreas Duick getting the quarterback position QB1, no more Jackson White, no looking over your shoulder, no worrying about every time coach calls you out that you might lose your job. And I can't speak to what the atmosphere is there from what I've heard from Nesbitt. The culture is great that they're building there. But like I said, assuming this isn't a result of injury, you know you're not... I mean, maybe they think they're going for playoffs and they're going for wins, but in my estimations, you're not looking to win anything this year other than just figure out who's your quarterback can he build chemistry with the receivers, with the weapons around him, and you move forward from there? So on the assumption that this is an injury, a result of injury, what's your take on how they've been rotating their cues a little bit, Keenan generally getting more of the action, though? Yeah, it's it. what people really don't understand is there's so much chemistry between receivers and quarterbacks. Um everything to the the tiniest detail of how the ball comes off their hand and you you don't really see that if you're just a fan um and we kind of saw it i know you guys hate me saying U of T, but like three years ago when they kept swapping in between quarterbacks um 
they didn't they didn't get anything going. You're not going to get anything going because every quarterback is a little bit different in the huddle, the way they command the huddle, the way their cadence is. They like to have it the same, but it's always going to be different. Um, they have their reads, but every quarterback's going to have a different favorite receiver. So it's not just okay, my quarterback's not building confidence because he's not playing the whole game. It's now my receivers aren't building confidence. You know, they're like, yeah, sick. My my buddy's in. This guy who's going to throw me the ball, and now it's perhaps you know the other quarterback comes in, the receiver comes down. I don't I don't want to play for this guy. You know, he's not my leader. This isn't who I want. You know, controlling the helm of our team. So maybe they try a little less. It really affects. It's going to affect your entire offense. And if your offense isn't producing, it's going to affect your defense. It's going to affect the team morale. So it's not just oh, it's these two players. Mm-hmm. Let's build the confidence there. It's it's going to change your whole team. And like you were saying, and we've said since week one, Queens is, this is rebuilding. If you think they're going to make the playoffs, first of all, they've already lost enough that they're not making <laughs> the playoffs. Playoffs are done. We're going to put the done chain on Queens. <laughs> they're done. Um, this is rebuilding for the next two, three years. They'll be good, but it's the decisions they make right now, which is going to build the team in two years or three years. So, I think they got to stick with one quarterback. Even if it's swapping one quarterback one week, one quarterback the other, I don't love that. But you, if it's not injury and you're switching the quarterback, I don't agree with that. Yeah. No, I, and once again, I, I totally have faith in the offensive minds they have there. But I think we're on the same page just in terms of our own offensive philosophies. But who knows, maybe it was as a result of an injury that kept Keenan out for the second half of that game. Hoping not just solely obviously from the perspective that we don't want any of these young men to be hurt or be injured switching over to the defensive side of the ball uh, looking at the ggs because i think this is a team that when they lost jamie harry last year who was an at the 55 favorite uh rocking out at cornerback for them last year I, i think we haven't talked as much about this ottawa defense but still very good and obviously the secondary is what draws most people's attention not just because they had Harry but because they still have guys like Cranston Cody Cranston that is still a guy like Luke Grease back there in the linebacking core they still have Abed Hamidi so they have talented guys but I think this defensive front is a little bit slept on and it might just be a result of just the influx of talent the influx of great defensive lines we've already talked about some of them already across the league but just to name two guys and two guys that we've talked about in different in different games but Tremaine Stevens still having arguably his best year his best uh, season in the OUA looking like an OUA all-star first or second team got another sack on the game and for those of you who don't know this is a guy operating from the interior defensive line position which is a much more difficult spot to be picking up sacks from and then as well Rashawn Davis who got two sacks on this game so these two guys alone are have been causing havoc and are going to keep on causing havoc for teams in this league so definitely a defense specifically a defensive front but a defense as a whole that I think people need to be a little more wary of I'm sure obviously the coaches and the teams are very aware of this Uh, so if you guys are listening obviously I'm preaching to the converted in that sense um but you know and and speaking of getting to the quarterback and getting sacks specifically from the defensive tackle position uh you know cam lawson i love you but two tackles for losses that won't cut it with me you need to be getting sacks that's what you do sack the damn quarterback i don't care who it is back there that's what you do big dog uh so go after him um but yeah that's 
Any, we, we, we want to talk defenses here. Have you have you looked at the the stats for Queens? They tackle. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, ten tackles for a loss in this game. I want to give a big shout out. I'm going to butcher his last name because just because I'm useless. Do it, Anthony Ferdeco. Ferdeco. Let's go with it. Four tackles for a loss. One of those being a sack. Like this is this is what I'm saying. They're gonna be a solid team. They just got to figure out a few things. But you know. Auto came out with the win, and then at the end of the week, that's the most important thing. And for both of these teams, they'll be in action at home. Laurier visiting Ottawa. That's a 1 o'clock game. And then for Queens, they're at home to take on Windsor, which we already talked about. Yeah, we'll go into those when we talk about the preview. Nothing special standing out for either of those games. So with that being said, we'll put a wrap on that and go into our last game of Week 3. Dakota's got his hands in the air. It's his UFT Blues against the Laurier Golden Hawks. Final score in this game, the UFT Blues 38, the Laurier Golden Hawks 34. This game was at Laurier. There was a big comeback for the UFT Blues early on. And, uh, you know, Dakota, as chair, vice president of the UFT bandwagon association, I got to just let you take this one. This isn't even a shocker. Okay. Okay. We already we already made our like best case scenario. They go six and two, but like s- since halfway through that Windsor game, I was having okay. U of T's beating Laurier, you know, and and I'm tired of you know oh Waterloo's defense is bad, Windsor's defense is bad. Mm, Laurier's defense is good. They've had some pretty stellar games. We talked about them last week. They've had some pretty stellar games. Yeah, they shut York down real good. That's not saying much, but you know. <laughs> All I'm saying is, and I, I had to check with with some of my U of T boys on this one, the Bird Gang, as I like to be referred to, didn't take the foot off the gas, all right? My boy Clay. <gasps> yeah, you heard it here. My boy Clay, Clay with a K, Killer Clay, sadly only threw for 322 yards. Only still leads the league in uh, you know yards, touchdowns, average in the air. Uh, but he did get four touchdowns, and those were two his two favorite boys, Will Corby, Nolan Lovegrove. Each of them putting up over a hundred yards mm. and two touchdowns. Mm. Yeah, that no, that's nasty. And, and uh, you know, for, for all you boys in the Bird Gang, specifically you, Dio, just want you to let you know I'm wearing the Guelph hat right now. I'm trying to soften it up, get it real nice and tender, so it'll uh, it'll digest a little bit easier. Thinking of maybe fermenting it for a little so you bit. Think, so now you're admitting that they're going to go six and two and beat Guelph, and you're going to eat the hat. Well, I, I'm just saying I'm prepare, you know, prepare for the worst, but still praying for the best. Is that the second uh, expression I've butchered today? Maybe I, I, I guess so. Yeah, and you know, I feel bad for every time someone faces U of T just for the episode because I give so much praise to U of T. But I'm going to stop that for just one second and talk about Lavondre Gordon. Woo! Man on here had 27 carries. And last week I said, you shouldn't run 23 times. This isn't the NFL. 27 carries. Only one touchdown. But 176 on the ground? Yeah. 176 for one man. You know, it's it's, it's one thing to feed a rookie running back in Kane Stevenson, who's realistically like their should be Guelph's fourth string running back if everyone's healthy. When you got an absolute stud in the backfield of Levandre Gordon, you can't give him the ball enough. So yeah, absolutely give him all the praise that, that he he rightfully 176. Deserves. So talk to me about we had 17 nothing. 17 nothing Laurier. 
ending the first quarter, U of T puts up 24 in the second half. And pardon me, in the second quarter. Walk me through this. What I'm just saying, check my Twitter. I was out here saying, <laughs> check my hand. You know, see, I'm not sweating. I'm not shaking. Steady it's a, as a rock. It, there's a reason there's four quarters to the game. You know, I say that as a coach. I got, I got told that as a player. There's a reason there's four quarters. Don't panic about the first. And I'm pretty sure Laurie didn't panic about the second with that huge, you know, scraping and crawling comeback because this game was unbelievably close. Another amazing game to watch. But no, you know, UFT said, okay, we know what we can do. We know we can go out there and score touchdowns at any any point we want. Defense, get it together, and we'll win this game. And that's what they did. The next three quarters, UFT only let up 17 points. Only. I, I shouldn't say only, but that's <laughs> that's pretty good for 17 points in three quarters versus 17 points in one quarter. No doubt. No doubt. Talking about Laurier, though, now this team has undoubtedly been the most disappointing team in and this you know I'm just gonna throw this out here with you know admitting that I I, I don't follow as thoroughly any of the other uh, conferences in U Sports but this Laurier team has been the most disappointing team in U Sports absolutely in the OUA you had them missing the playoffs last year four and four and yes if not for a few odd bounces and the way that the tie break scenario worked out they could have snuck into the playoffs everyone just called that a just complete blip on the radar nothing to really concern themselves about now obviously they lose curly gittins jr to the argos former mvp of the oua nasty receiver but you know what we took a pause to spin with it we figured hey you know what they still have really good weapons on offense we already talked about uh lavandre gordon his backup this guy uh kevin wong he looked good against york had a good outing as well here i mean being able to put up 53 yards when your star backs putting up 176 that's pretty nice but in the passing game because obviously that's where we're really talking about the loss of uh kgj as we called him last year you know you still have Bretton hall you still have ente aguavin guys that were amazing alongside of curly but maybe it's and I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry if this is throwing shade, but maybe it's one of those situations that when you have a guy like Curly drawing all the attention, it makes the other guys look a little better. But when now teams can lock in on those guys as your number one and two, now all of a sudden, maybe not so effective as a former receiver, former coach. What's your What's your take on that? Well, for, first of all, still a coach, you know. Apologies. Dream, dream, dream's still alive. <laughs> apologies, um, apologies. It's, it's not often that I have to, you know, eat my words. I, I, you know, I have had Laurie as my dark horse when I going into this year. Just looking at you were saying, yeah, last year was just oh, that's just a one off. Yeah. But I think the major thing is, yeah, you know, you have such a good a good receiver last year, and now people can lock in on the other guys. The issue is also you have to, as as a coaching staff, and I'm not blaming the coaches in any way for this, you have to consistently evolve. And I'm not saying change your schemes a million ways, but when you're playing teams that have years of film on your receiver, they have years of film. They know the ins, ins and outs of players better than some of the players know about themselves. Mm. So they're, they have to change something about the way they run their offense if they want their receivers to really get out there, get open more, start gaining some yards because you can't put it on the receivers. The receivers are are running routes well, catching the ball well, but 
I, th- I think right now it's just a matter of scheming. You know, we they have the talent. Yeah, they lost a couple key players, but if you can have a back thing put up 176 on the ground, and you know you can't get over 300 yards in the air. If I have a if I'm facing a back that's put up 176, I'm, I'm going to fill the box. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put one safety up top and no one else. Yeah, why are why are we only getting one passing touchdown? It, no, it, it's it's definitely a problem, and I almost feel like on the back of what happened last year, I I almost wonder. I'm so curious of what the atmosphere is like in that locker room because I just feel like there, like every misstep, I just feel like feels like the biggest weight in the world, as if they're running in quicksand. You know, I, I, I'm sure everyone's been on a team at some point in your life where it just feels like the pressure of the world is on every single moment. And whether it's in sport or any a- aspect of your life, a lot of the time, the more pressure you put on, whether deservingly so or otherwise, it's just going to make things worse and worse and worse. And, you know, you, yeah, it, it, it sucks because, you know, I, I've been the guy making picks for parody and, and this, that and the other thing. And. You know, I was willing to write off that York game, despite them coming away with the win, to say, you know what, call it another just, you know, blip on the radar, whatever, a one-off. This is solidifying it. For me, Laurier and, and, and Laurier, you don't owe me anything, but I'm, Laurier, I don't expect, I don't expect anything from Laurier at this point. You have to show something now. Like, it's, it is on you now. Like, I don't, I'm not... I don't want to be out here assuming that you are going to be the team I think you are going to be. You are now the team that I have seen you be for the three games this year and a damn disappointing season last year. So Laurier, to quote the the late, great Danny Green, not Danny Green, Danny Green, you are who you you are who I think you are. You want to crown him? Crown him. So just, just massively disappointing, and the disappointment keeps building. Um, but hopefully they'll be able to bounce back uh, going into Ottawa next week. Uh, but we'll get into all, all those details that's, a little bit. That's a that's a make or break for them. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of that game because obviously we have that coming up. But as you were saying, the pressure where you're now one and two, and this is just a running theme of how competitive the OUA is three losses in a season and you may not make it. Yeah. Right? And it's not great that they're going against Ottawa. Ottawa's a pretty talented team, but this is kind of okay. Let's get in the locker room. If we can squeeze out a win here, it's a, it's a new season for us. Yeah. Let's call it a new season. Playoffs are still in reach. And if we lose, do we now think, okay, what are we going to do? Do we completely, as a coaching staff, do we scratch everything we've been doing and try a brand new thing maybe we can make the playoffs with three losses but this i think this coming week for Loria is let's find out who we are are we gonna be the let's get walked over by yeah. u of t and not that they got walked over but <laughs> and then let's you know have a close game with york like what what is this Laurier. I don't want to make you the do better, but like, come on now, we got to do better than this. I, I think you still have; they still have a, a lot of talent on that team, and they got to show it this coming week. I think this is one of those perfect times where, uh, for the captains on that team, you got to call like a players' meeting. Just get the guys in the room, settle things down, 100% lay out agree. those, lay things out, just like you had said. Let's go into Ottawa. Let's just 
nothing matters except the next play, the next play, bust out all you know the the football cliches, whatever you got to do, get that W, and then from then on out, just go out and play. Uh, and for U of T, well, they're going on to the bye, and I have something to ask about that. But you know, before we move towards the bye, I just got to say, I, you know, if I'm gonna give Cam Lawson, if I'm gonna give him, you know, f- uh, some some flack for not getting a sack in the game, Malcolm Campbell, man, six tackles, that just don't do it for me from you. Get after that quarterback, brother, man. You are too good to not be tackling Carousello out there. Zero sacks for U of T. I'm not too happy with that. All credit to, to Laurie's front guys, but one tackle for a loss for the entire team, zero sacks. It's not not amazing. So now they're going on the bye week, and, you know, I, <laughs> Clay, Dio, whomever else out of your bird gang's listening bird to gang. this. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm not hating. I'm nothing like that. But I'm just curious for you, Dakota, what makes this in my in my estimations, this is a terrible time to get this bye week right now. This offense is humming. This offense is high octane, pedal to the metal. It doesn't matter who you're putting in front of them. Defenses that are, you know, suspect defenses that are somewhat more renowned for their, you know, uh, performance out there, they're putting up numbers. In my books, this is like I said, this is a bad time. Just keep the ball rolling. What positives can you see coming out? Look, I definitely I definitely agree. The you know, the team is really coming together and you kinda wanna keep that momentum going. Um let them enjoy it a little bit. You know, let let the players bond and have fun during this bye week. No one no one loves I wanna say no one loves a bye week. Bye weeks are great. If you're a player, bye weeks are amazing. Ice baths just you know walk through practices half days they're amazing but um they're facing queens in toronto when they come back true right you know if this was they're coming back and they're facing carlton or mac i'd be a little more worried um because those are the tougher teams but they're facing queens um queens is still trying to find their find themselves as we as we've talked about so you know enjoy enjoy this you're over 500 for the first time and <laughs> god i was probably still in diapers so like two years ago when you guys were over 500 <laughs> you know in, enjoy let let the let the bird gang go out and enjoy it you let, know let the bird gang fly I'll, maybe I'll, I'll hit them up this weekend and see what they're saying get the insider scoop but you know they're gonna come back i'll be at that varsity game you know at in varsity stadium 1 p.m along with as we've said every other oua game stop doing them all at one it's ridiculous but I am going to say this one thing about the bye week. I've been all about U of T since the fourth quarter against Waterloo. I said I hate them for those first three quarters. Then they showed them, showed me who they were. Been all about them against Windsor. I got my swag. I got my t-shirt. Been all for it. I said it. Going into week two, they're going to beat Laurier. Week three. No, I said oh, going into week two, right. they're going to beat Laurier. Okay. I, that's, yes, they've played them in week three. I was saying going into week two, they're yeah, going to beat yeah. Laurier. I put it on all the, all the socials, you know, shout out to Varsity Blues and Varsity Blues Football and finally follow me on Twitter, <laughs> recognizing the real. He can die happily now, ladies and gentlemen. For everyone out there, this is your last week. You're either on the bandwagon or you're not. You have until kickoff against Queens to decide. The man's giving you a full extra week. I'm giving you a bye week. U of T is going to relax, do their thing. You relax, decide. You're either on the bandwagon or you're not. After that, I don't want to hear 
anything about you cheering for U of T. You're on the bandwagon, you're not after this week. Or sorry, after yeah, after this week, kick off it against Queens. That's it. That's the cutoff. That's the deadline. 1 p.m. September 21st. There you go. And so you're either bleeding blue by then or you're just a hater. Bleeding blue or holding nose. <laughs> bleeding blue or eating hats. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I posed the same question, though, about the uh, bye week to uh, our UFT insider, Brandon Mackey. And for him, the big thing standing out as well is that despite how productive this offense has been, it's still been on the back of a very banged up offensive line, which just is remarkable obviously you know their offense has been coming through the air but you still need to be able to protect the quarterback to give him time to throw it so the fact that they've been able to do this with a, a you know banged up offensive line and that obviously with the bye week they're just going to get healthier and healthier and gel more cohesively and you still have Irv there bringing all his offensive line magical tricks coaching them up yeah, no, ultimately, I think this will be a positive thing. And uh, you know what? Last thing I'll throw out with this one. Bird Gang, you want to come over watch a little Carlton Western here at the uh, at the studio? We'll make it happen. You let you let your boy Dakota go. Uh, you let him know on uh, social or something like that, and we'll we'll make something happen. Or, come on now. They got my number. You, that's actually 100% accurate. They do have your number. Uh, so that'll wrap up our week three review. And uh, with that being said, let's move on to our week four preview. Okay, so moving forward to our week four review, we'll kick it off with the one o'clock games, starting off with Laurier going to travel to our nation's capital to take on the GGs. I'm going to go with the GGs in this one, going with the Garnet taking the win. Obviously, we don't know who's going to be a quarterback, don't know who's going to be starting at running back, but I still have faith in the weapons they have there on offense. Really like the defense. Always tough to go traveling to Ottawa. I got the GGs taking out uh taking out the Golden Hawks and perhaps putting that season to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the horse here, but not the one you're thinking about. I'm gonna go with the dark horse. Oh. That being Laurier. This is a make or break game for them. And I think they're gonna make it by breaking Ottawa. They're gonna travel up to Ottawa. They're gonna have their defense ready. That O line will be blocking perfectly for Gordon. Gordon's gonna put up over 120 yards. You heard it here first. Laurier is going to take it. All right, beautiful. Moving on to our second game and our pick for game of the week. That is Guelph visiting Waterloo. If you have any questions as to the nature of this game of the week, this is going to be a massive, a massive rivalry game after Guelph took them out twice last year. Of course, one of those being in the playoffs. Waterloo obviously wanted to get their revenge. Two offenses that Obviously, Waterloo, we've seen more of a high-octane offense consistently, no doubt. Guelph, we've seen in spurts when things are clicking, that offense can really hum. And Dakota, I'm wearing the hat. I'm sitting here. There's a Guelph blanket hanging up somewhere here in the studio. But Who we got? I think after falling into second place in the standings, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm going with Waterloo in this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Oh, okay. I'm, we're we're going to agree and not because I'm scared to lose my lead because I'm the most confident. By the way, still top of all the pickums. Mackie, let's get it going. <laughs> Guelph got a great special teams, and I already said Barnes is going to return another one, but I don't see any way that they're going to stop Waterloo's offense, and I don't think they have enough weapons on their offense to really keep up. Could be a great game. It is our pick for game of the week, but I'm going to join you here go with Waterloo. 
yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of questions to be seen in terms of who ends up returning for Guelph on that offensive side of the ball defensively in the secondary, which I, I, I kind of called out a little bit. I, I think it was Brendan Murphy was missing in that game, and he's obviously a big player for them too. But yeah, uh, Waterloo with the pick this one. Uh, next game, Mac at York. Ooh, this is gonna be a tight one. Here. Yeah, what what are you thinking? Have you done? You crunched the numbers. I've been looking. I've been looking. Hey, at I'm it willing for to give while. you. I'm willing to give you an extra day if you want on that one. No, I think you know. I've been looking at this. Um, just getting. You know, I talked to McMaster's uh, hydration coordinator. Yeah, and they said they've yeah. been doing some stuff with the mixtures. Mm. Um, I think I'm gonna say McMaster just because you know they just lost to Western and also. Be, I'm not going to say it. McMaster by 35 <laughs> points. McMaster by 35 points. Yeah, I, I I'll ca- be at that game. I called up Billy Bean. We money balled the shit out of this game, but it still comes up Mac taking this one, even in York. Um, next game, Windsor visiting Queens. Uh, you know, oddly, uh, a bit of a tough one to pick in my books. I, I love the storyline here, though. You, if you really think about it, I know we have Guelph and Waterloo as the game of the week, but the storyline here... Schneider versus Cercelli. Yeah, yeah. They both coach together. The Western bloodlines. Um, for for me, you know, I don't see Windsor losing two back to back. They are a very strong team. Queens again, still learning who they are. These are both like these could be powerhouses in three years. These are both our picks for the growing teams. But for me, I'm gonna have to go with Windsor going to Kingston and beating Queens. And also, I'll, I'll first say that I'm gonna go with Queens picking up their first win right here. But another really intriguing storyline is the return of Chris Osikusi to Kingston, Ontario. Ooh, didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's kind of tight. I, how, many, how many yards? 150. How many touchdowns? Three. Three touchdowns. <laughs> He's got 150 or three touchdowns. That was going to be Randy Moss numbers, three receptions, three touchdowns, that sort of thing. It may be. It may be. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what he does. Yeah. Eh, no, we, we'll stick with our pick for game of the week, but that game just became a whole lot more intriguing. Definitely gonna check that one out. Uh, still at one o'clock, so you you know you gotta pick your poison. Wait, this one's at one too. That doesn't seem right. No, it, are you saying four out of the five games are at one o'clock? Uh, yes. So if I wanted to watch all the games, I couldn't really do that, could I? Not at once. No. Okay. 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 Yeah. okay. Just I just want to make sure that you know it just made sense. Yeah. Move. Moving on. So. Then we have Carlton visiting Western. This game's at seven o'clock. Uh, I mean, Western. Western takes it. Uh, Carlton coming off the bye week. See how they bounce back off of that disappointing loss to Guelph in week two. Lot of brutal mistakes. We saw penalties being a big factor for them in that game. Still seeing. You know, this could be interesting to see now with an extra week of Tanner DeJong gluing with that offense at quarterback. Nathan Carter had a really bad game against Guelph. Well, how's he going to respond? But, you know, all, all those things may be, may be fair, are, are fair cases to bring up in most regular games, but not when you travel to TD, I don't think. I think what we're also not really taking into account here is it's a night game, and, oh, I, this, and I don't have this confirmed, but I feel this like blackout? this might be the blackout game. Whoa. If For those of you who don't know, Western has recently added their black jerseys with that little touch of purple, and they're pretty dangerous on those blackout games. Um, they get a lot of fans out there. Just something about that, you know, that 
2001 Ravens look with the all blacks Ooh, there. Yeah. It's something special. I already had them beating Carlton. You know, it, it's, it's tough Western to Carlton, Carlton to Western. It's, it's always a tough travel. Um, it is a night game. So, you know, they may have a little bit extra time to prep, but, and they also had the week off, but still all those things don't matter. I have Western winning this. Definitely. One. Definitely. I mean, that blackout game last year almost caused Windsor to fold as a football program. It was Ooh. such a devastating loss. Um, luckily they're back on track though. Uh, so yeah, that's that is week four. Those are our picks. We'll have the other teams' picks up on the website uh, in short order. Um, and I guess one more thing we wanted to check in on: we don't normally do rankings, team rankings, nor do we look at league rankings because your opinion doesn't matter. No, it does. The listeners do, but you sports know. And and speaking of that. Mailbag section still been pretty cold, so you know we might have to just scrap that one. But we're always open to getting a, a you know whatever input you want to throw our way. But as the as the chairman, head, president, person of the Toronto, uh, the UFT Blues, pardon me, bandwagon, I just wanted to read you the U Sports. Let me top hear. ten. Right? Let me hear. Okay. And actually, I'll start by reading you last week's, just to kind of give you a refresher of where things were and where they are now. So if we go back a week ago, we will see in the top position, we had Laval, Western, Montreal, Calgary, McMaster, then Manitoba, Regina, Guelph. Well, well, not besides... At a one and one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Acadia and Laurier. Okay. So that was following week two. Yep. All right. So now let's see how, with the gained knowledge of what happened in week three, we have Laval. Again, makes sense. Western. Yep. Montreal. Yep. Calgary. Yep. Mac. Yep. Guelph up at six now. Okay. Acadia, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Now, Laurier fell out of the standings. As they should. And... As one might assume, the team that took them out of the standings by beating them in week three, you think they might take their spot at 10, right? That seems logical, right? Yeah. Possibly even the smart move. Uh, instead, it's, it's St. Mary's holding it down at 10 right now. Honorable mentions to Ottawa, Waterloo, Regina, Toronto, and, and Alberta. And I do not pretend to be an expert in the other conferences in U sports i'm not eddie meredith i don't know everything about everything. This, about everything uh shout out to eddie <laughs> but what's your read on this you know in no disrespect i've had a, a lot of friends play out east um i i don't see the point of of adding them to a top 10 uh just because they haven't lost a game um there's two of them in the top 10. So right off the bat, you know, they're 2-0. and Cool. We'll leave them in there. And I like to throw a lot of shade in here, but it's all for fun. No disrespect to Guelph, but can you look me in the eye and say Guelph should be placed higher than UFT? We'll find out for certain week nine. I'm just saying, you have, the, <laughs> the fact that U of T isn't in the top 10 right now no, I is, think that's a that's a mis- that, I think that that that's a mistake, no doubt. Um, and and here's the thing, yeah. this is what makes the bye week so good. They're gonna see this going into a bye week, say we're disrespected. 
I, t- I talked to my boys. They said they're the bird gang, and and nobody loves them. <laughs> they're they're always disrespected. And this this is that's who they sent me this list and said, hey, we need to make the top ten. Yeah, they're gonna use that. Yeah, they they're man. Ah, I'm just excited for the rest of the season. I mean, another reason why this is a terrible time for them to get the bye week is. The whole at the 55 crew just wants to see him taking the gridiron again and, and, and laying, laying a beatdown on, on the next sucker that tries to take them out. But that's just our little glimpse into the U Sports Top 10. Not uh, a, a typical segment for us, but just for the reasons we laid out. Something of interest that we wanted to throw in there. So that pretty much wraps it up for us here today. Any last thoughts before we finish off here, Dakota? You know, just uh, last week to join the bandwagon. That's it. Well, you heard it here first. Our game of the week, once again, is going to be Guelph at Waterloo. Check out all those games, though. It's sure to be another great week in the OUA. And we'll see you next time at the 55.